Welcome to Wisdom Talk Radio, a collaborative community of explorers in conscious living. Today's guest on Wisdom Talk Radio, Forest Rivers, has said about COVID-19, if we can still our minds and fully be with the immensity of this moment, that we can start to see a different narrative emerging than the one we often hear about. And this new message is about hope, personal empowerment, and spiritual awakening. You can see why I wanted to have him on Wisdom Talk Radio, because Forrest's uplifting message is one that is certainly needed in these times of, we could say suffering, certainly division, upheaval, questioning. Yeah. And I'm Laurie Seymour, host of Wisdom Talk Radio and CEO and founder of the Baca Institute. Head over there as soon as you're done listening to discover your creative advantage by taking the Creative Innovator Quiz. Find out your personal style, your Creative Innovator style, so that you can open your flow and make everything in life easier. Learn to optimize your ability to create more and less time while enjoying every minute. <clears throat> so, Forest Rivers, my guest today, is a writer, he's a teacher, a speaker, who splits his time between the Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina and the Colorado Rockies. His personal journey of awakening began at the age of 30 on an awe-inspiring trip to Maui, Hawaii. It was there where the profound healing power of the earth spoke through to his heart and helped him overcome a difficult period in his life of alcohol abuse. Fast forward to today, Forrest is a teacher of meditation. He spends a great deal of his time guiding others to look within and become the best versions of themselves. In the very near future, he plans to start a wilderness retreat center. And that center will focus on the spirit of service and inner work. His latest book, where he really dives into this message about these times, is COVID-19 and Humanity's Spiritual Awakening. Welcome to Wisdom Talk Radio, Forest Rivers. I am really pleased to have you here as our guest. Hi, Lori. It's an absolute honor to be here today. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Mm, you're welcome. So I, I hear and I read <clears throat> how how the theme of nature, how nature itself um, has brought so much healing to you. And yet you, you really felt so moved to speak to it deeply in this book. Can you share a little about why that is? Yeah, I think during this time of, uh, I like what you'd, how you describe it, upheaval, suffering, mm -hmm. questioning, uh, the need for healing. I think one of the most uh, profound healing channels that we have is the earth. And not only did it help, you know, me heal through the years, but I think it has the possibility to help everybody heal for the simple fact that we're all part of the earth. 
we are of it, she is a reflection of us. And I think that's a, the, the earth is almost our long forgotten sage. Mm. It's like our, our uh, it, it's like we have a great forgetting of her, of her profound power to heal our souls. And so that's uh, something that I feel like we can turn to during these times is establishing a relationship with the natural world. Mm-hmm. Whether it's uh, gardening, whether it's bringing plants into our house, whether it's hiking, whether it's swing, uh, whether it's just like spending more time on our back porch. Uh, I, I think the natural world is something that we could turn to in this obviously difficult period that we've all individually and collectively found ourselves in. Yeah. And that's an interesting thing you say, because uh, during this this past year plus, uh, so many more people have turned to gardening. I noticed when I went to get my plants this year that, first of all, things were really crowded, but they were also depleted. The stock was depleted yes. because so many more people were interested in growing their own food, um, having beauty around them, creating something of the earth. Absolutely. I, it's, I, I think we've seen, we've seen the, the issues with over-dependency on commercial stores, you know, and mm. commercial produce. And we've seen the, we, we've all experienced the fear and the anxiety of the last year and, and the cloud of uncertainty. And one thing we can control, one thing we absolutely can control is bringing beauty into our lives. And like you said, the, you know, gardening and reconnecting with nature. Uh, there's been a term for it. I love rewilding. I love <laughs> yes. that term rewilding. Mm-hmm. That is what we can control. And I think with all the time that we had for self-reflection and focused contemplation over the last year, at least for many of us, maybe not mm-hmm. everybody, but many of us, you know, during the lockdown period, we were reassessing what had meaning in our lives and what didn't. And Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when you check off the boxes, right, Lori, one of the things that has the most profound meaning for us is that innate connection with nature. Mm -hmm. I heard it through, and and I told a lot of stories in the book about people seeking that innate connection with the earth. <laughs> yes. I met an AT, for example, I met an AT hiker, the Appalachian trail hiker, which comes through about 15 minutes from where I live. Mm. And of course the Appalachian trails, that legendary pilgrimage from Georgia all the way up to Maine, 2,100 mile trek. And I met an AT hiker and he, he's, he was almost 60 years old and he, decided, hey, there's been a lot of darkness, a lot of uh, uncertainty, a lot of anxiety during this time. And I just want to get on the trail and, and, and reconnect with what's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, other people I spoke to in the last year decided to move off the grid. And mm-hmm. they were friends of mine from Colorado and they moved to Utah and downsized their life tremendously and wanted to establish that kind of lifestyle with the earth. Numerous people I spoke to took, uh, decided to devote their lives to organic farming and gardening. And, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. So, so I think this was a really interesting time for that, you know, yeah. and, and I, hope, I hope as we 
return to a new normal, whatever the heck that even means. I, I hope that we, we keep that close to our hearts, that n- nature is, can bring us all inner peace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't have any sense of returning to anything, only of moving forward to something. And I think Same. you implied that when you said the quote, new normal. Um, I don't even want to return to a normal because that I want to see us moving and moving and moving, allowing what is wanting to be created to be created. And I'm, I'm thinking about something as I listened to you, I was aware, boy, for those people who were able to go off and become an organic gardener or downsize or, you know, had the wherewithal to re- work remotely. I'm also aware of all the people that, that couldn't do that that didn't have that that time and space. And so I'm I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit to how could we bring that um that which the earth, that which nature can give to us into into everybody's life, into those people who still have to work a 40 or 50 hour a week, those kids who are living in um a concrete jungle so to speak. And by that, I only mean, you know, places like where I grew up in Philadelphia, where we didn't, well, we did have a big park, but it was, you know, a couple of bus rides away. Um, so how, how could we bring that sense of what the earth has to offer to us? Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, a, that's an amazing question. So I hope that this past year has, has brought that to light, that how do we reach people who are living, particularly our youth, who are living in uh, in urban areas or urban centers, who don't have the same advantages to be able to just, you know, drop their work, go remote, and move off mm-hmm. the grid and whatnot. What do we do about that? Well, mm-hmm. one big thing is I think those of us who quote have advantages, right? Mm-hmm. We we need to make sure it's on everybody as a human race to make sure that we are promoting education programs. Uh, within within our public schools that make nature a a a, a featured aspect of living, mm-hmm. whether that's teaching gardening in our schools, whether that's uh, promoting weekly field trips to nature areas. For example, uh, something that comes to mind: I lived in Nashville, Tennessee, for a while. Big city, right? Seven hundred thousand people or so, and you're in the inner. There's definitely a, a concrete jungle inner city aspect mm-hmm. to all of it. But one thing that uh, you have is within a half hour, 25 minutes away, you have beautiful state park. Ah. So why can't we be promoting more uh, outreach within our education, our public school mm-hmm. city education systems where we have we have relationships established between various nature centers mm-hmm. uh, where the kids mm-hmm. once or once a week are given the option to go to a state park and be able to hike and bird watch and expose them. I hope on my end that there's what, where I'm standing, I hope that becomes a priority uh, within local governments to begin bringing nature to, to children, mm-hmm. uh, to teenagers, to even young adults and offering like one of the things that I want to do down the road and people are already doing this is wilderness therapy or um, wilderness healing camps, Mm. Uh, you know, establishing those kind of avenues. 
And for people who are in the cities, that needs to be brought to them in some capacity yeah. or, or those camps need to be offered free of charge for people mm -hmm. who can't, for people who can't afford it. And that, that's the, I think, I think you'll see a lot more of that beginning to emerge mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as more people become aware that this is, this is necessary, not only for um, our mental health and not only our physical well-being to connect with the earth, but our spiritual health, our sense of interconnectionness. Mm -hmm. And then the other side of that is <clears throat> that as we, as we come to love nature, as we who may not have been connected to it, connect with that, then there's a different sensing of how we take care of the earth, mm. how we care for what, what is our home. So it, 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 it creates a whole picture. Absolutely. 100%. I couldn't agree more with that. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, I think, and I think invest, I, I think, oh, sorry. I was going to say, I think, um, Doing more with uh, with 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 the development of, of public parks in the cities, mm -hmm. expanding our green spaces. Uh, you and I have a link, a direct link with Colorado, being mm -hmm. both from Colorado. And everybody knows you can live in a city in some place like Denver or Boulder or Fort Collins, and you can have ready, pretty ready access to mm -hmm. open spaces. I think that needs to be more uh, heavily pursued as well as is creating those spaces that are within proximity mm -hmm. of where people live in dense city areas. Right, right, right. So, so that even the dense cities become perhaps a little less dense. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the hope. That's the hope. So if you fast forward, just to shift gears a little, if we, if we fast forward and we're 10, 15, 20 years down the road. Do you, how do you think we will look back on this time? I, I've been so curious about that. Um, I do see this as a turning point and yet I don't know really what, will, of course I don't know what will happen. I also don't know what will stick. You know, I, I feel like we're in a time of such evolution and I'm curious about you, how you're seeing that and how you're imagining that. Absolutely. That's a wonderful, wonderful question. So the way I see this in 15, 20 years, and, and by the way, I could be totally off and you know, <laughs> take, take every, take everything I take, everything I say with a grain of salt. Oh, you know, no, but, no, 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 no. This is no, but, no. What, whatever you say, but, I'm going to just take. <laughs> so 15, 20 years from now, I, I think we'll look back at this as a major uh, a turning point as you sort of said, it, as a major transition point, maybe more accurately, mm. in, in our own conscious evolution as a, as a species. I think we're going to take a lot of important lessons from this. Uh, for example, I see when we look back at this 15, 20 years, what I see sticking mm -hmm. is a greater awareness of how interconnected we truly are. You know, it was so easy during 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 uh, during the prior to the pandemic. It was so easy 
to just sort of write off when some suffering was happening on the other side of the world because we didn't mm-hmm. really directly identify with it. Oh, there's a, a war in, in uh, Israel and Palestine, but we don't really identify with it as Americans because we don't have war in our day-to-day lives. Or mm-hmm. there's a famine in Africa, but yeah, there may be hunger in American cities, in American countryside, but if I'm not personally experiencing it, I'm not really, I'm not really identifying Mm-hmm. COVID was COVID was different, right? Lori, COVID made us, you know, we all went through uh, certain hallmarks of suffering together. Wherever you lived in the world, you had to you had to live with the idea that you might die, mm-hmm. or might know somebody else who died. Uh, death was in our faces. Mm-hmm. You also you, you could talk to somebody on the other side of the world who lost their businesses mm-hmm. during the lockdowns, right? You know, or people who. Um, you know, people who experience mental health problems, which is being identified in countries all around the world as a mm-hmm. result of COVID. So I think one of the lessons I hope sticks, and I believe it will, is a greater awareness of our interconnectedness. Yeah. That we truly are, Lori, more connected than we think we are. And I think that's one thing that'll come out of all this mm-hmm. is, is, is our interconnectedness. Another thing I hope, uh, I truly hope, uh, comes out of this too, is this idea of personal empowerment that, you know, and that out of this period, you know, out of really tumultuous, you know, periods of, of suffering and darkness comes the ability to recreate, to reimagine possibilities moving forward. And, you know, we're already starting to see that more people, as you, as we were talking about earlier, people, starting to take more of an interest of connecting to the planet, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. taking a more interest in, in, uh, in, you know, overcoming their fear of death. Uh, people may be taking a more interest as a result of all this in the power to serve their communities, maybe mm-hmm. service, mm-hmm. maybe service will be given a greater uh, emphasis. It wouldn't surprise me if, for example, more colleges in high schools, as a result of COVID, start having more service-oriented programs required of students before they graduate. Oh, you know, th- things of things of that nature. I think we're going to see maybe take off, start taking off. You know, a greater awareness of our connectedness and, um, you know, in our in our in our sense of uh, our sense of of, of evolving. Mm-hmm. Sense of evolving mm-hmm. spiritually, mm-hmm. I, I see all that is happening. I, I, and I, I don't think this will be the last event either <laughs> that shakes us into mm-hmm. a higher consciousness. Mm-hmm. I'm on record as saying that, but I think COVID will be looked at as one of the major events that spurred along this sort of, um, I guess, if you want to call it this, Lori, a revolution in consciousness. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and we saw we saw a similar period right in the '60s and '70s. That's where, what I was yeah, just going to say. Yes where we move between periods of darkness and then we have a great expansion of our, of our awareness. I mean, what was the sixties and early seventies, but a period of, uh, uh, consciousness. I mean, you had mm-hmm. during that period, you had people like uh, Ram Das and Timothy Leary and Alan Watts, and you had, uh, great social movements that were popping up experimentation mm-hmm. with Eastern religion and psychedelic, you know, the, 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 if used properly, you know, psychedelics and the, you know, uh, you had all of this, this, 
exploration of awareness happening during that period. Mm-hmm. I think when, when, when the final history is written on COVID, say 15, 20 years from now, we might look at the period that immediately followed COVID as something similar in scope to the 60s. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I remember during those times that of that earlier period is that colleges did bring in service requirements. Even high schools had some service kinds of requirements. And it seems like, and I'm not sure if this is completely accurate or not, that that kind of fell by the wayside. We we, we started focusing more on success and uh, money. Material pursuit. I must... You know, I'm, my, my life is defined by my money, my cars, my job, you know, my house is, you know, all, all of that. And, mm-hmm. and I think hopefully what COVID did, if I'm really connecting everything together here, it's, it's making a search for what really matters. Mm-hmm. And maybe we'll see a shift of emphasis from the material realm to what's going on in here. The realm of spirit. Right. And you know what I love, though, is thinking, thinking about um, yes and or both and. In other words, it doesn't have to be an exclusion of just no. focusing on money or just focusing on service. And we have to give up everything, you know, that, that is material, quote unquote. Why can maybe, we not Maybe it's all merge. Maybe we merge it together. Maybe people yeah. start seek, seeking to do, maybe what we'll see more of, Lori, I think it's what, building off what you're saying is mm-hmm. we'll, see, we'll see people uh, pursuing livelihoods mm-hmm. that end up being of service mm-hmm. to uh, others and to the earth and to themselves. So you know, we're already seeing this. Uh, yeah. the, the amount of uh, st- students enrolling, enrolling in counseling programs in service-oriented social work areas mm-hmm. is uh, growing in leaps and bounds in the last Ooh, year, right? Just I didn't know that. Over, over COVID, more, since during COVID, more and more people are taking an interest in enrolling in those kinds of programs, social service. Or, huh. you know, so I, I think we're going to see that. People are going to seek, seek livelihoods that mm-hmm. are of service mm-hmm. to humanity. Yeah. Even investing, you know, and it's been around for some time, but, but it seems to be taking off even more, that idea of investing in socially responsible companies, yeah. investing in things, in programs that are doing good, uh, that, that want to give back. You know, green jobs yeah, is another example jobs. of that. Absolutely. And there's more of an interest in, in people supporting their local communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, look at the exponential growth of something as simple as farmers markets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Virtually every community has one now, you know, whether in the city or the country. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we're going to see a lot more of that, you know. So, yeah, we don't have to give up material things. I think it'll just end up being a... Um, it'll be more imbued with a consciousness of spirit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's so fascinating to really look, step back and, and look at this, like how, if I were to look at it in in that uh, meta level view, you know, what is it that really is going on? And you, you touched on the idea about self-empowerment. And I wonder if we could go back to that a little bit and say a little, if you would say a little more about, um, how you see that what has happened in the last year and a half has 
pushed people or spurred people to become more of who they are, you know, to take, to grab a bigger voice. And that's not just COVID-19, that's all of the social, uh, so I want to say social unrest, but that doesn't feel like a great way to say it, but all of the reckoning, the the racial disparities and the, the policing situations and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think this is really COVID. The last year has really poked holes in all of the illusions that we've been living by. Uh, it's poked holes that, oh my gosh, racism still exists. It's poked holes that classism still exists. It's poked holes in the fact that most Americans are still one paycheck away from absolute financial disaster. Uh, it's 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 poked holes in the fact that maybe pursuing a life based solely on materialism without connection to spirit is not really a a positive way to go Mm -hmm. for humanity. And I think out of all of that, out of all of that reckoning has been, has been a, uh, a quest for meaning that more people are, are, are uh, engaging in. So I think one thing that's happened is we've all become a little bit wiser out of this. Mm. I think because we're seeing all of the illusions being popped, whether Uh it's with government, (laughs) which we saw a lot of that, (laughs) whether it's with policing, whether it's with uh, the so-called security within our economy Mm -hmm. that workers have, right? All of that's been, been just laid bare for us. And and now what we're left with is to search for a better way, is to search for something that has greater meaning in our lives. Mm-hmm. I mean, isn't it interesting right now, Lori, how, how, how many people are not returning to work mm-hmm. if, given, if given the chance? Now, e- economists will just simply write that off and say, oh, well, it's because there's no incentive to return yet because they're still receiving federal benefits, yada, yada, yada. That, as the talking heads speak, mm-hmm, you know, in the media, mm-hmm. the way I interpret it is, you know, different. You know, I say, mm-hmm. well, I think a lot of people are hesitant to return back to those jobs that didn't bring them meaning and didn't mm-hmm. bring them. Uh, and that could be what? That could be people working in restaurant jobs to anybody returning, working in office jobs. Mm-hmm. It almost doesn't even matter the, the class of people you're talking about. People are questioning now. They're like, well, why had a taste of that period of structuring my day, how I want to structure my day, or I had a taste of being able to self-reflect and contemplate the greater things of importance in my life. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure I want to go back to that. Uh, and, and I think all of this suffering, all of, if you want to call it that, or all of this darkness is going to end up making us a heck of a lot wiser. And I think you're going to see more people than ever searching for what has meaning in their lives. You know, and I I truly believe this will be seen in in the history books as some kind of revolution of consciousness. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So how do you um, how do you show people how to search for that meaning? What are the ways that you're that you are pointing towards? So the ways that I'm I'm pointing towards is is uh, proven ancient avenues uh, such as meditation mm-hmm. is vitally important. Uh, and 
you don't have to retreat into a cave somewhere right. for days or weeks at a time in seclusion. Simply starting even a five, even starting with, and you can work your way up, something as simple as a five to 10 minute mm-hmm. meditation practice each morning. Or, mm-hmm. you know, starting a journal where you just list four or five things that you're, you have gratitude about, uh, that you're grateful for each day. Or establishing, a, as we talked about, a daily relationship with nature, uh, to, to, you know, to, to even a half hour a day, a walk through the park. Mm-hmm. you know, could, could be something that w- will bring greater peace and greater awareness yeah. in your life. The spirit of service, uh, getting involved with your communities in some way, whether it's mentoring or, um, uh, you know, or even, even what a lot of people did during the pandemic, uh, helping those less fortunate, whether it's working with food banks, which we saw record levels of need and volunteers uh, contributing their services, delivering groceries for people who are still stuck in their houses. Mm-hmm. Those are all things that you know we can we can do. So I'd say service, meditation, uh, uh, developing a greater relationship uh, with the natural world, journaling, mm-hmm. creative creative expression. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of the things I have a chapter about this in the book. One of the things, Lori, when we also look back on COVID 15 years from now that we're going to actually point to was that this led to some, some unbelievable Renaissance in art, in art and music and Mm -hmm. creativity and writing. Cause think about it at a great periods of suffering, you see huge Renaissances in arts, music, culture Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in the 1960s following world war II. Right. Right now we're, we're probably going to see during the great depression, we saw, Mm-hmm. a renaissance of art and, and a creative expression. I think we're going to see that too. So those are all things I just listed that can really tune one in to themselves, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and I really encourage everybody here to deepen their relationship with the natural world, establish daily meditation or prayer, start journaling, uh, you know, engage in any kind of creative expression, photography, mm-hmm. music, writing, art, you know, gardening, right? It's a form of creative expression. Yeah, um, absolutely. Cro- crocheting, right? <laughs> there's, there's an infinite number of, of, of points of connection. Yeah. And I would just encourage people to, to explore that right now. There's never been a better time and a more needed time mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. to establish healthy, um, uh, healthy activities and behaviors. And I know that those things that I would really put it all under the rubric of living a creative life, allow yes. us to maintain our health. <clears throat> without a doubt, without a doubt, it's proven. I think scientists have more or less proven mm-hmm. it's established science at this point that those who live as, as you say, Lori, creative lives. I love that. Who live a life of creativity. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they have much they have, they have much higher emotion, emotional, mental, uh, physical, spiritual mm-hmm. health. Yeah. Vital. So here's, here's something I'm, I'm being with as I'm listening to you and, and having this conversation. There's another kind of leg to this cycle. Um, 
because all the things that you listed and they were in response to my specific question are things that we can do ourselves. Then there's the next piece, which I'm so fascinated with right now, which has to do with how do we collaborate? It, it comes full circle into the interconnectedness point that you brought to, to light in our, in the early in our conversation, because interconnectedness and collaboration to me are what both what is needed in this time and also a, a, it is the energies that are being brought to the planet right now have to do with that, that act of collaboration, that act of coming together. It's so much more than collaboration because it really is a way yes. of working. If we think about quantum physics, it's a way of working. It's a way of acknowledging that we are in the same field the field of energy, that we're not just these individual particles, but that we actually have a field of being, of existence that we're all part of. And then how do we, how do we create new weavings out of that? How do we create new wow. endeavors, new, new um, forms of business out of all of that? Wow. That's a, that's a, that's almost like its own, uh, what an amazing question. That's almost like its own podcast. That could oh, be its absolutely. own episode. <laughs> it's what I, it's the work wow. I'm doing right now. So I'm most excited about that. No, it's, mm -hmm. it's a fantastic question, Laurie. Well, you know, what's funny before I kind of get to that question, mm -hmm. th this will tie in, but okay. uh, it, back in the sixties, there, there were two uh, like divergent viewpoints. There were those who were doing inner work on themselves mm -hmm. who were saying, you know, I'm not really sure if social activism and political activism really accomplishes anything mm -hmm. because one has to do work on themselves first. Mm -hmm. And then if enough individuals awaken, we'll, we'll, inevitably, uh, we'll inevitably start uh, enacting the kind of more conscious changes that we need. Then there was the other side saying, ah, that inner work stuff is kind of ego-centered, <laughs> And the real thing is we have to be out in the streets challenging, mm -hmm. you know, various dominant hierarchies, et cetera. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so you had two groups that were missing each other. Now, the key mm -hmm. is now, of course, like Gandhi said, well, actually, if one is truly spiritual, they have to turn their attention yeah. to the collective suffering. Mm -hmm. And that if those who are collectively suffering haven't done the inner work, sorry, if those who are addressing collective suffering mm -hmm. haven't first done the inner work on themselves, their actions have no grounding or mm -hmm. any kind of basis. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think the key is we have to sort of marry the two exactly. perspectives, you know, those the and, and so I think there's going to have to be to answer your question kind of in order to have mm -hmm. that, that sort of, how, how do we get conscious businesses? How do we get, how do we mm -hmm. move to more of an emphasis on getting nature into more aspects of our lives? How do we address racism? How do we address uh, poverty? I mean, pov I mean, there was a great uh, Hindu saint, uh, Neem Karoli Baba, who I love. Uh, he was Ram Dass's guru and mm -hmm. I absolutely love him. And he, he said, the first thing you have to sort of do before you can even get anybody on the spiritual path is to feed them, feed them mm -hmm. first, mm -hmm. you know? And so like, how do we do that? Well, I think, I, I think to me, at least where I'm standing is those who are really focused on doing inner work, 
they need to take that message to those who have influence over our society. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one thing that I find inspiring always is when you hear of like Native American activists who have very clearly done quite a bit of inner work on themselves and they go to like corporate boardrooms Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they're, and they're lecturing to, uh, you know, CEOs who otherwise are completely disconnected from any inner work and social responsibility. That's important. So I think Mm -hmm. more engagement, what I'm trying to say is more engagement with those who are focused on inner work, uh, getting out into the world Mm -hmm. and engaging in various service projects that address suffering. And that's why I love people like the late spiritual teacher Ram Dass so much. Mm -hmm. He's so inspiring because he did all of the inner work on himself and then some Mm -hmm. and explored the realms of consciousness and then took that and went into a life of service. Mm -hmm. He worked, he went into prisons and taught meditation. He mm-hmm. worked with the, the 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 dying. He worked on campaigns to end blindness in Nepal. You know, um, so so I think that's the key is mm-hmm. for those who are on the spiritual path, not to just assume that hey, if I just do the work on myself, and enough people awaken, the collective suffering ends. It's not that easy. You gotta you gotta then take your next step and mm-hmm. and engage in a life of service yeah. and then and then for the for those who people who are more activist oriented who are really trying to make changes in the streets you know addressing the very you know over seemingly overwhelming collective problems like racism and classism and sexism and all of these isms uh and, and stopping war and stopping nuclear proliferation or climate change all of these big issues that delve into the realm of politics mm-hmm. those activists need to themselves recognize that in order to be agents for change, they have to do the inner work on themselves first. Mm-hmm. So there's got to be a lot of the people focus on inner peace need to reach out and engage in service. And those who are focused on outer, you know, fixing our outer inequities need to have more of an emphasis on the inner. Mm-hmm. There's going to have to be a lot of that collaboration. That, that dance. Exists. Yeah. That dance between the two sides. And many times in the 60s, that erupted into a lot of tension between the two Mm -hmm. camps. And that needs to not, that needs to not be there moving forward. And I'd point out that the two can be married um, in the Bhagavad Gita, you know, the Mm -hmm. sacred Hindu text, Krishna, you know, the, the God incarnate is, Mm -hmm. is talking to his uh, disciple, uh, Arjuna. And they're on the battlefield on the eve of a major battle between warring factions of the same family. And Krishna is lecturing him and saying the highest form of of spiritual uh, evolution is when a spiritual aspirant engages in service for their own awakening and enlightenment. Mm. So I think we need that message more than ever now that the highest form of spiritual practice is actually service. Yeah. And I think you could find a lot of engagement uh, uh, that bridge could be built mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with that perspective between spiritualists yeah. and activists. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's happening. I mean, I think it's happening and maybe even in a different way, not so much from outside in of like, this is the, this is the journey and pan, pan, painting that. But <clears throat> my experience has been as in with the people that I work with that as, and, the, and this is so much a, a, a foundation of my work is teaching people how to connect with their own inner guidance system. Yes. And so 
in doing that, as you start living that, as you are able to bring that through moment to moment to moment and live that, naturally what is emerging out of that are, oh, I'm seeing this brand new idea. It's not just about going out to the CEOs and making them change. It's more, what am I going to create? How am I going to collaborate? How am I going to, oh, there's somebody doing this great thing over here. Well, collectively, we have this whole other idea as we, as we start to communicate from that grounded, connected place that I've already yes. learned how to do. Yeah, and I think, Lori, I think we're going to see, we're already, like you said, we're already seeing mm-hmm. it, where many people who have been doing their inner work on themselves are now saying, well, how do I share this now with the world? Because mm-hmm. that's what really matters. Right. And if I only share it with myself, I'm missing that larger interconnective point. Sure. sure. You know, and I'm missing, I'm actually, in my humble opinion, you're missing the point. <laughs> and, and so like, if you start, once you, mm-hmm. so once you start doing that work on yourselves, the, the, the possibilities are endless mm-hmm. for how you can create a new space mm-hmm. that breeds that interconnectivity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's why, that's what excites me about something like, uh, you, you know, getting people out into nature mm-hmm. is that, is that's a, that's a way to, to, to really be able to do that. Yes. Yeah. So Forrest, as we're winding down in our time, um, is there a a short way you can give your message to what you'd want people to take from this period? The last year we were in was marked by what we might call uh, profound suffering, Mm -hmm. sorrow, anxiety, anxiety, darkness. But I would want all the viewers and listeners for the show to know that despite all of the struggles we've been through, you often need um, these periods to help put things in perspective and to help breed greater awareness. Mm -hmm. And that out of this suffering comes great opportunities for personal growth, for spiritual growth. And I think if we work with the suffering that came out of this period, the endless op- the opportunities for our own evolution are endless. Mm. And I would say, despite all of the negative aspects that, that have been brought to light, there are just as many positive aspects that have come out of this period and that don't lose faith in humanity and don't lose faith in the world. This is just a, this all happened and it had a, it had a reason why it had to happen. And that was to help us sort of like wake up, be with, be with all, you know, expose all of the injustices that we've seen Mm -hmm. and to help us awaken. And I think without this period, we, we might not, we might not be moving as steadily down the path of awakening. Mm -hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. I would almost say that this event was something that was sort of destined to happen to, jo- to, to help us raise our awareness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I would say to everybody, you know, stay inspired, stay creative and, and, and know that the nature of our reality moves in cycles. Mm-hmm. You have periods of darkness that then give way to periods of light and don't get too attached to your lows. Don't get too attached to the highs. 
maintaining equilibrium and things will be okay. Yeah. Maintain an equilibrium and things will be okay. Yeah. Thank you, Forest Rivers. And before we come to a real close, would you let people know where they can get your book? Absolutely. Um, you can get the book on uh, COVID-19 and humanity, spiritual awakening. You can get the book on uh, Amazon. You can also get it on uh, Barnes and Noble. They're both, both online and Kindle and paperback edition. And you can um, feel free to leave a review. Uh, those are always great. It helps out authors a lot. <laughs> and if you don't like either of Barnes and Noble or Amazon, you can also get the book uh, from Conscious Living Media, which is my uh, uh, publisher's website. You can get it off there. And um, yep, you can you can reach out to me and contact me through uh, my website at forestrivers.com, F-O-R-R-E-S-T, and then rivers.com. And uh, I just want to thank you, Lori, for having me on the show. What you're doing is a huge service uh, to humanity. And I think people need to hear uh, or, or are craving to hear a positive message and, and mm -hmm. thank you for providing the space for that. My pleasure, Forrest. And thank you so much for being a guest here at Wisdom Talk Radio. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And thanks to you, our listeners, for being here at Wisdom Talk Radio today. Join us here regularly for more wisdom, discovery, and illumination. And just like Forrest was saying for his book, um, if you've enjoyed listening today, please leave us a review because that does help more people to discover what we're about, discover and access the wisdom, and to transform the world. So for more about fast-tracking your ideas from creation to revenue, find me, Laurie Seymour, over at the BACA, that's B-A-C-A, institute.com. Take the quiz that's there. You'll see it right on the homepage and find out your creative innovator style. That way you can turn your ideas, your great ideas that are coming out now that are emerging into reality without missing another moment. Thanks for joining us here at Wisdom Talk Radio. We wish you well in your conscious explorations. For more information and to join in the conversation, our website is wisdomtalkradio.com or at Wisdom Talk Radio on Facebook. <laughs>